0: I'm on the track!
1: gate Crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event. We're back. We're back. We're doing the things big again. Sorry about last week. Had some logistical problems. Um, I also I had a funeral. I had to go to, so you know, couldn't couldn't preview the Big Ten last week like like I planned. But this week we're gonna preview it and you know preview the Big Ten, which is arguably probably one of the top two three conferences. In the, in the nation And got some great talent in the SEC I'm sorry in the Big Ten Love the SEC and the ACC As we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks In the next couple of weeks um, But um, Some sad news to report um, Yesterday I lost a I lost a, uh, I lost a good friend uh, I, I can, I can definitely call him one of those, one of those guys who, who just like a brother to everybody and didn't matter how bad of a day he was having, It didn't matter how, how much, you know, was on his mind. He always had a smile on his face, man. Um. Uh, Yo, this show is dedicated to not only to my aunt Sharon Jones today, but it's also dedicated to the memory of of a friend of mine by the name of Nick Perry. Uh, Nick was probably one of the most athletic guys I've ever met. And um, he's passed that along to his son who is a three-star basketball player. Uh, And um, it just... It's very sad for me to, to even report this. I mean, we lost him at such an early age, you know, thirty-six years old, and you know, I, I'm often taken back to last Saturday uh, at my aunt's funeral. And um, I'm not one for funerals, but one thing that that really that really hit home with me was. Well my Uncle William got up and uh, he talked and he said he's really up here for the kids and um said a little story, you know, how he's how he's a little bit older than my aunt. You no. Know, she's my she was my great aunt and he he's my mother's he's my mother's brother and uh it, it really, it really hit home because the more I thought about what he was saying, the more it kind of put life and death in the perspective. You know, he said, um, he said, you can, he said, it's okay to be sad, it's okay to cry, it's okay to, it's okay to be hurt, but know that. God has got a had, had a better purpose for her. Nick Perry lived thirty six years of his life. That's what God gave him. God felt like it was time for him to come home and do his work. When he said that, it kind of it kind of resonated in me a little bit. Kind of kind of hit it, it really hit home. And one of the things that, that one of the other things that he said was say a little prayer. And when you say that little prayer just say, Lord have mercy. That's how you need to say it, Lord have mercy. You know even though he's not in his physical body anymore, he's in the spiritual body, and he's gone on to do a work that's much bigger than you, me, and everybody else. So for you, Nick Perry, I salute you. you one of the biggest Georgia fans I knew. you one of the biggest football fans I knew. To his son, Perion Everything gonna be alright, little brother. Keep your eyes focused. I know your heart heavy, man. But you know you got a whole city behind you. To his mother Tiffany, classmate. I love you. Hope everything hope everything will be okay. But just know, that, just know that he's there, he's right behind you. And don't and, and another thing, don't be afraid to tell somebody you love. Don't be afraid to give somebody a hug. Don't be afraid to to do all the little things that makes life that much easier. <sighs> And just no time. Time waits for nobody. And time is slowly slipping away from from some of us. He lived his life to the fullest. Rest in peace, my friend. Rest in peace. We're going to take a quick stage break. we be right back. We're going to talk about, talk about some football. Y'all stay tuned. Welcome back to the Press Boston and Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine, and thanks for being a part of the show. The main event is in the building. Um, also, I would not be remiss if I didn't uh, say anything about um, two punters and two kickers and punters that, that we lost over over the past week uh, from the Big Ten as well. Um, Mike Sadler, uh Sam um two outstanding young men. Um, never got a chance to meet them, but being a former kicker, being a former punter, y- you become part of a fratern- fraternity. And kickers and punters, you know, the group's are so tight-knit. And no matter what level you played at if you were a kicker or a punter in high school you become part of that fraternity college whatever level of football you played you know I took those deaths personally you know and it wasn't personal in the sense that I knew them but it was personal in the sense that when you're once a kicker you're always a kicker. It's just like it's, it's just like anything else you do. And that's the way I felt about about that. So, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be human if I didn't talk about that. And um those guys are gonna be missed I know Folks was was well liked, he was well received in, in the Lincoln community. Always gave his time to any charity or any kind of charity work that needed to be done. Mike Sadler, you know, such a smart guy. Um four year a four year starter at at Michigan State. Um all-American in some circles, uh, consensus All-American, one year, one of the most decorated punters in in, in Big Ten history, and the guy was on the, the guy was on his way to Stanford, and to enroll in Stanford law school. So I mean, that just shows the the kind of smarts he had, and. And he was also well received and well liked at Michigan State as well. And you know, those two schools are gonna be missing some great some great personalities. Um also in that in that in that car was was um De La Huse, who's uh, the last name Dela Hussein, I cannot think of his first name uh for nothing in the world. He was uninjured in the accident and um, he's L S U kicker. He was uninjured in the accident and my prayers go out to all three of those families, the Delahouse family, the, the Saddler family and the Folks family, uh, from the Tailgate crew. But uh yet I digress again. So uh, let, let's talk about some let's talk about some about some big fan football. And I mean the Big Ten this year is probably it's probably the most loaded Big Ten team Big Ten conference since expansion since they expanded from from eleven teams to fourteen from eleven schools to fourteen schools. This this year you have ten great schools that I think eleven schools if you add some other teams in in, in this that could be really, really good. Um, of course, you have the status quos, the the Michigans, the Ohio States, the Michigan States, the Iowas, Wisconsin. And then you got a lot of dark horses. You got some dark horses. You got some that are on the fringe. You got some that are close, but still a little bit far away. Some great hires, some great coaching hires, one hire in particular that I really, really loved was Illinois going to get Lovey Smith after he was fired from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I think he shouldn't have been fired, but that's just my personal opinion on that. But let's start with let's start in the in the West where you we look at we look at the West And we see schools like Northwestern, Nebraska, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. Those are probably the five best teams in the West Division. I'm going to start off with who I think will be number four. I, who I think is probably a sleeper team in its whole thing was probably a French player in, in, in that big 10 race Can, uh, they're so close to being in that in that top echelon of, of big 10 schools and that's Northwestern I have Northwestern picked that 5 and the reason why I have Northwestern picked that 5 is because I mean I'm looking at the schedule that they have, and I'm I'm seeing nothing but difficulties everywhere on that schedule. Um, got a really good, got a really good Western Michigan team who has out recruited everyone in the MAC and almost out recruited out recruited some of the the other the other schools in 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 the state of Michigan. In regards to getting some talent from Michigan, in Michigan, um, Western Michigan is not a pushover. They're good. Illinois State, probably one of the best teams out of the out of the out of the Missouri Valley Football Conference at, at, the F, at the FCS level. Then you have a really good Duke team that's that's going to be looking for. It's going to be, you know, returning a quarterback, but they're going to be leaving some things, some questions. In regards to the defense and the, and the other side, and the other side of the ball as well. Um, so th- these are three really good games right off the bat. And then you jump in the conference play and you jump straight into divisional play, just like that. You know, Nebraska, Iowa, home to Nebraska at Iowa, and then you have an off week. And then your crossover games in the from the east is Michigan State. Um, Indiana, Ohio State. I, those are some really difficult games in regards to crossovers, because you got a team like Michigan State that's going to be rebuilding. We'll talk about Michigan State in just a little bit, but Michigan State team that's rebuilding have a Indiana team that's really, really on the fringes of being just just that coast to being that, that that breakout team that we're talking about. Purdue has a lot of work to do. You know, Wisconsin, you know what you're gonna get out of Wisconsin. Ohio State, you know what you're gonna get out of Ohio State. Minnesota, Maryland, and I and Iowa to to, to finish the season. I'm sorry, and Illinois to finish the season you got some you got some difficult 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 games in there. do I think that they could win eight nine ten games? It's possible it's conceivable, but with this schedule the way that the way that that is pla that is that shaping up. You've got to get a split in your first two big team games, especially the divisional games, against Nebraska, against Iowa, to get to that point to where you want to be. Now, when you look at the schedule coming, look at their schedule after Iowa. They have the off week, October October 8th, and then they go to Michigan State. They're home to Indiana, and then they go to Ohio State. Those are three really difficult games. That again, if they can get, they can get to be at least three and two, or 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 four and one, if they can split the first five games, and they get. Key win here. They get key wins in the non-conference games, they get a key win against a really good Nebraska team that could be that could be a dark horse Nebraska. That, that is a dark horse Nebraska team. This is a really good chance for them to vault themselves up to possibly not be in that five, in that five position as I picked them, but two maybe three. They've got to win some games though. They've got to win some games. And with this with the schedule that they have this year, it's gonna be very difficult for them to be at the ten win level that they've that they've been they've been at, you know, two of the last four years. Two of the last four seasons. So conceivably I can see them six and six. I can see them seven and five. I can even see them eight and four. But ten wins is a little bit of a stretch. They've got to get some good luck going into into the season. And one of those things they have to do, they have to take care of business against Western Michigan at home. That's a key game. The, the, the I mean, right off the bat, that's your litmus test, Western Michigan. 'Cause you know what you're gonna get from Western Michigan. You're gonna get a high octane, you're gonna get a good offense, you're gonna get real good, you're gonna get discipline from from that team, you're gonna get you're gonna get passion from the coach, PJ Flex, who I think is gonna be one of those next good coaches that's going to be coming from the Mac and possibly heading toward the big ten, big twelve, or wherever have you. He's got that kind of just just throwing them out illinois state again a lot of a lot of transfers from f c s schools to from f b s schools to illinois state they lose they lose l Roberson this year i'm sorry um they lose the former indiana quarterback this year um gave them two great years there um they've got another quarterback that's coming in He's a recruit, he's from the state of Illinois, he's really good, guys need to check him out. You know, even at that level, level there's some good quarterbacks in the in that Missouri Valley football conference. And you we're gonna see a lot of those guys playing these big ten schools and playing the big twelve schools this year, especially um North Dakota State. But we'll we'll talk about that later. Northwestern, I really think could be Eight win team could be an eight win team could be a seven to six to eight win team is what I see them at. I see them finish fifth in the comfort, in, in the West, but with wins with wins that they can that conceivably they can they can they can, they can get that could jump from six to eight to nine to that. That that magical ten win markers was which is what Coach Richardson really wants, and he's in his eleventh year here. You know he's won a bowl game. He's he's taken them to to seven to six bowl games. I mean he's a really good solid coach who has the post of Northwestern, who has the who has the backing of not only the student body. But of his team, of his president, everybody that's involved in Northwest with Northwestern in terms of athletics. So this is a really good Northwestern team. This could be one of the better Northwestern teams, but until they put it together on the field this season. Today see so we see them on September On September 3rd against Western Michigan. They're going to be number five for me in the West. Moving forward. Now, you know, we talk about dark horses. And one of the bigger dark horses for me is, I mean, a lot of people are are really, really thinking I'm crazy for this and maybe they should think I'm crazy for this but you know a lot of people have Nebraska you know as high as second in, in the west a lot of people have them third in the west a lot of people have them fourth in the west I for one have them fourth in the west and I have them fourth in the west for one reason you look at their schedule as opposed to anybody else's schedule. This is a really tough schedule. It's a really tough, tough road to hold for these guys. And here's the reason why I say that. You start off your season with a Fresno state team that didn't do too well last year. Um, They didn't do too well last year, and then you have a Wyoming team that was two and ten last year, but did not play awful. Um, in a sense, they didn't play awful, and that's the that's the difference between what you see. Um, in regards to to other conferences and you know other mid majors, you know where two and ten school is is not a good thing. You know you're you're you're, you're playing two schools at the beginning of the year that won to combine five games last year. Five games. President of States are rebu- they're rebuilding Wyoming they're in a sense to where they're trying to be competitive again. You know, Wyoming's one of those schools that's so one I, I won't call them a once in a generation good school because there were times under Joe under uh Joe Tiller when Joe Tiller was there that they went to bowl games for three, four years in a row. Now, I'm looking at Nebraska's schedule, and I'm looking at not just one and two, but I'm looking at week three. I'm looking at week three, you know, home to Oregon. Can they get – will they get run out of their own building? Can they go to do what he's done at, do what he's done at at Montana State, and win games. Good questions to be asked. I don't know if he can. I don't know if he can beat that Vernon Adams. I mean, I honestly want to say this: if Vernon Adams was actually healthy, the entire season last year for Oregon. Well, I mean, even the defense let them down. So, I mean, let me take that back. You know, I'm I'm thinking back to the TCU game, but this is a big litmus test for Nebraska, the Oregon game, and I also have it as one of the big, the big showcase non-conference games for me to watch. And that's a September 17 matchup. Now, we look at an Oregon, like we said, we look at an Oregon team. Will they be improved defensively? We'll talk about we'll talk about the Pac twelve next week. Um just a little filler there. The thing about the thing about Nebraska is will we see consistency out of the quarterback position? Tommy Armstrong Junior. Cibolo still proud from from that San Antonio area, that very fertile San Antonio area. Can he be the guy to lead you, or will he? Or will he take a step back, and will we have to see a guy like a Riker Fife, Racker Fife, or AJ Bush, or even that incoming quarterback that they have coming in, Patrick O'Brien, um, who's in for spring, who's in for spring, played in the spring game, did did fairly well with the limited offense that he knew. This is a really good. This is you got four. You got you got some. You got some guys that are untested. If Tommy Armstrong Jr. can stay healthy throughout this season, I can't see where Mike Riley can go wrong. If he gets the running game going, if he can find a running game to go along with the passing game, because. Tommy Armstrong Jr. Did not, do, did not do bad last year. He had over 3,000 yards passing. He had over 20 touchdowns. But the interceptions needs to come down. He threw 15 last year. And when he was healthy and he was on, I mean, it made all the difference. Now, we're looking at, at a Nebraska team that went 6-7 and seven last year, went to a bowl game at 5-7. and seven. This is a this was a good Nebraska team. That could have done better, but they did not have the luck on their side like they normally have. You know, losing on the Hail Mary to BYU early in the season, that really took some of the psyche, took some of that some of that excitement away from the Mike Riley hire. I thought the Mike Riley hire was a great hire because he brings you something different. He brings you a little bit more of a traditional type offense, West Coast type offense, power running game, things of that nature. So with that being said, Nebraska's had a chance to do what a lot of people think that they can't do. They could actually contend for the the West. Even though I have them at a four, even though I have them, you know, finishing fourth in the West, I cannot see them going any further down than that. I cannot see them I can see them going up but not but not digressing down because here's the thing about Nebraska. Nebraska's got some great recruits coming in. They had some great recruits last year that they did not want to play last year, and we and everybody noticed that coming in now. Those guys, those guys have red-shirted, those guys have gotten the flow of the offense, those guys have gotten the pulse of what the team wants, of what their coaches want. This is a Nebraska team that could put it together on the, if they can put it together on the field, when key games, especially key divisional games, I mean, the, 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 you know, that that challenge is daunting. Don't get me wrong. That challenge is very daunting. They go to Northwestern, they go to, they 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 go to Wisconsin and they go to Iowa this year. And then their crossover games are Indiana, Ohio State, and Maryland. Those I are, mean, the Indiana game is winnable for them. The Purdue game is definitely winnable for them. And then, divisional games against Minnesota, against Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa, you know, to finish out the season. This is, this is the, This is a team that, if they can get hot, strike while the iron's hot. This could be a team that could win anywhere from seven to ten games. This is the the way that their schedule's set up. They could win seven to ten games. I actually think that they'll finish eight and four, nine and three. I actually think that they could finish eight and four, nine and three. Now. With Nebraska now, with Nebraska being nine and four eight and three, we look at a school like like a Minnesota who I have as number three because I feel like there's something that, to be honest with you, it feels like there's something special in the air in Minneapolis i mean I don't know where I don't know where I'm getting that feeling from, but it just feels like there's something special in the air. And the reason why I think that there's something special in the air, and let's think about this. Let's put this, let's let's think about this here. And I'm going to drop some knowledge on you real quick. (coughs) Minnesota has the third most Big Ten championships in the history of the Big Ten. They have got a lot of national championships. They got four national championships to their credit. This is a this is a storied program, Minnesota is. Got some great players that have come through Minnesota. You've got some got a great quarterback that's coming through Minnesota right now, Mitch Leitner. If Mitch Leitner can stay healthy, and with the schedule that they have, I mean this is actually a pretty decent schedule in regards to how everything rolls out. They avoid the big boys of the of the way, of the East. They avoid they avoid Ohio State. They avoid Michigan. They avoid Michigan State. They avoid
2: <laughs>
1: they avoid Michigan State. You know they avoid the big three of of the of the East. You know you still got to play Iowa. You, I mean, you still got to play Penn State, but you got, you got the other crossover teams is Maryland and Rutgers. Maryland, Rutgers, and Purdue. This sets up, I'm sorry, Purdue's a divisional uh, divisional opponent, but this sets up Minnesota to do a lot of damage you know, in the West. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to give you three reasons why. You don't have Michigan on your schedule this year, so you you know that the the Brown Joe's is going to stay in Michigan this year. You don't face Michigan State this year, which is a good thing, and you definitely don't face Ohio State like you did last year. This is a really, really good, good, good schedule for a school like Minnesota. You got Oregon State on your schedule. Start off Thursday night game. Then the next week you have Indiana State. You have off week. Then you got Mike Bobo's Colorado State team coming in. And then you go on the road to Penn State. This could easily be a three and one team going in a three and O team going into Penn State. Penn State is their litmus test in in the big ten. In the Big Ten race. Penn State For me, we'll we'll talk about East in 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 a minute, but Penn State for me is probably one of those tough out, is a tough out for anybody. If they can get some wins, wins that they need to get, and then get some wins that they shouldn't get, get some luck on their side, this is a Minnesota. This is a Minnesota squad that could go nine and three. They can go ten and two. They can go six and six. They can go seven and five. I mean, this is this is one of those Minnesota teams that, depending on what, I mean, this is a good schedule for them, and depending on how they work that schedule, on how Minnesota works their schedule. This could be one of those special years in Minneapolis. It could be. It's looking to be that way. And with the influx of talent that they've got, the recruiting that they've done, this is probably one of the best recruiting classes I've seen from Minnesota in a very long time. They kept a lot of kids from, from from Metro Minneapolis the Twin Cities, here in state. They got some good recruits from other states. They you got another recruit. You got a big-time quarterback recruit in Seth Green, who is probably going to be a guy who came in for spring. But He's probably going to be a guy who you may turn to if things don't work out for you. Um, with Mitch Leitner They've got two quarterbacks that can play though Don't get me wrong They've got two quarterbacks that can play Denny Croft played, played in the spring game There was also another quarterback that played in the spring game And Both the quarterbacks Looked like they had The, they had the post of the offense Seth Baines had the post of the offense too But he's going to bring you back To the to the Asai Abdul Khalid days where he's got a really accurate arm, quick release, very athletic on his feet, can get you out of trouble, can stand plays. This is what he can do. You put that in a Tracy Clay in, in an offense that that you can mold him into. Wow, <laughs> wow. So even though I think this could be a special year for Minnesota this year. Down the road to be even better. So, don't be surprised of what you see out of Minnesota this year. I won't be surprised if they win nine, ten games, because the schedule is set up for them to do that. Can they take advantage of not having the big three and not having big three from the west, from the east on their schedule? That's the big question. Can they take care of business? with the two crossover games that are almost give in Rutgers and Maryland. And can they get past that tough out at Penn State, at Happy Valley? All very valid questions, all questions that's going to be asked throughout the season. Now, you know, I, I picked Wisconsin to to finish second. A lot of people have picked Wisconsin to finish third, fourth. You know, some cases, some cases, second. You know, Wisconsin. They've got it. They've they've got some, they've got some great guys coming back. They've got some returning starters coming back, which really really kind of hit me the right way. You have a former Elite 11 quarterback who's finally getting his turn to play. Bart Houston has sat behind some good quarterbacks in the last, in the last four years for him. And it didn't help that he had injuries to himself. He had injuries as well. And then the performance level that he was trying to perform at, it didn't help him either. So, you know, we we look at that, we look at this, look at this Wisconsin team. Paul Chris has put together this outstanding recruiting class this year. Um, he's kept a lot of what Brett Bielema has built there with the power running game, this, that, the third, together. What's he had to, if you think about it? You had to. Now, you lose a guy like Joel Stave, who was a three-year starter, who knew the ins and outs of the offense, can get you to where you needed to be. This is this is one of those things. Is the one of the questions that they're, that you're going to be asked is, can Bart Houston handle it? Can Bart Houston handle being in the pressure cooker? That is, that is the starting quarterback in Wisconsin. Can he handle being a first-year starter and only having one year to prove himself? Will Corey Clement stay healthy? No, you got some, got some other, got some. You got two backs. You know, yeah, one other back behind him that can play. You have a running back that's coming in this year, that's coming in um, this year that could play early. I mean, so you could have a three-headed you could conceivably have a three-headed monster at, at Wisconsin this year. But here's the here's the problem that we have: will that defense be as solid as they were last year? Will they give up? the amount of yards they gave up in the run. Is that secondary going to be a ball-hawking secondary like they've been accustomed to being that they kind of wasn't last year? It was kind of up and down in the secondary last year for Wisconsin. It was kind of an up and down thing for them in the front seven. This This is one of those times. Can they make things happen from top to bottom offensively and defensively? Can they, can they pull off a complete game this year? That's going to be tested real early. Lambeau Field is on the, September 3rd. LSU is going to come in. They're going to test them real early. They're going to hit them. LSU is going to hit them in the mouth. And the reason why I say that is because they have a running back that will hit you in the mouth. But does... Wisconsin have the backbone to go back at at a team like LSU to start off season. We will definitely see because they couldn't do it against Alabama last year, and they couldn't do it against LSU two years ago. They couldn't finish the game against LSU a, a couple of years ago when they were up twenty four to seven. Now, we look at this, and we look at that, and we look at what what could happen after that, conceivably. Look at the schedule for Wisconsin. <laughs> this is probably the most difficult of all the of all the the games, the all the the schools. They have the they have the big three out of out of the East this year. You know they're LSU. The LSU is at Lambeau, home to Akron, home to um, Georgia State. They go to Michigan State. They go to Michigan. They can, conceiv- they can conceivably be three and two, four and one, going into Ohio State, which is October the fifteenth. The this is this is how big of a test the LSU game is because. They can conceivably be two and three going into Ohio State. They can conceivably be three and two going to Ohio State. They I mean this is how fragile this is how how much of importance the L S U game has in regards to the rest of the season, in regards to what they wanna do. No can the playoff team come from the West? Very, very conceivably it could. Conceivably it could. But we have to see how, how things progress. Now, you know, we look at, we see we see Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and that's all three games in a row. Luckily, there's an off point between the Michigan game and the Ohio State game. But the week after that, they go through another they go through murder this is almost like a murderous row of games. The month of October for Wisconsin is brutal. it's probably the most brutal four to five weeks four to five weeks I've ever seen. host in that whole scenario is you have two home games against conceivably probably two of the better schools two of the better teams in the big ten and also a dark horse in the big ten we can we can we can honestly say I can honestly say this we're looking at a possible, I mean, this could easily be a four, a six, and a four and two, four and three, five and two Nebraska team going into Wisconsin. This, this, this is how this is how important week three is for Nebraska. Week one is for for Wisconsin. This is how important this game is. the murderer's row of games that that be playing is just absolutely just crazy you don't see things like that unless you're in the SEC you don't see things like that unless you're in the ACC you don't see things like that unless you're in the Big 12 this right here is probably the most difficult schedule of all the schools in the west period point blank period can they get through it they can. I can see Wisconsin being a solid non win team this year. Is like I said, they have two. They have. They're at Michigan. They're at Michigan State in consecutive weeks. They're at Iowa. They're at Northwestern. They're at Purdue, and then conceivably all the other games are at home. So if they can take care of business at home, take care of business against LSU. Get at least get at least a split out of the month of October. This Wisconsin team can win nine games, maybe more, but they've got they've got this they've got to at least split the month of October. They've got to. That that's the imperative right there. And they've got to split at least one of the two Michigan teams as well in order for them to get to that nine win scenario that that we're talking about. I this is why I say things look really special in Minneapolis because they they avoid the top three. Whereas Wisconsin doesn't um Wisconsin doesn't um, Northwestern of avoids Michigan Nebraska avoids all three. I mean, so I mean, well, they they avoid Michigan, Michigan State, but they have Ohio State. So for the fact that Minnesota avoids those two, avoids all three, wow, It sets up to be perfect for them. That's why I have Minnesota as a dark horse. Now, I look at my favorite to win the West. And until somebody else beats them <laughs> in the West, they're gonna continue to beat that team to beat in the West. Iowa, Iowa has a has a veteran quarterback coming back in 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 Mr. Bedford. he is conceivably probably one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten, bar none. He's a senior this year. You got some. Then you, get, then, you know he gets hurt you got some pretty good, you got some pretty good ones to, to fall back on. Drew Cook has played a little bit. Drew Cook played a little bit last year. Tyler Luegers played played a lot last year. You know, <coughs> played played in some games last year. So you you conceivably looking at a team that went twelve and zero, but lost the last two games and lost a Lost the Big Twelve, lost the Big team championship to Michigan State. The bowl game, big to, um, to Stanford. I mean, this is a team that could conceivably go a little bit further than, than most people think. But they've got a very, very they've got a very interesting schedule. Um, you know, the, the schedule is very interesting for me because. Although they are, they avoid Ohio State and Michigan State. They do get Penn State and they do get Michigan on, on the on on the board as their It's two of their their crossover games. Conceivably I'm looking at the schedule and the only real test in the early part of the season is the Psyhawk game against Iowa State. And the next week against North Dakota State, those are two, the, I mean, this can conceivably be a pretty good year for for Iowa. Can Iowa win 11, 10, 11 games this year? Of course they can. Do I think they'll win that many games? No. I think they'll win 10 games, 10 games at the most. 12 games last year. They went 12-0 last year, first time any, any – uh, any Iowa team has won more than twelve games. Was the one twelve games in the season? Kurt Fanch has everything going for him that he needs to have going. He's got the pulse of. He's got the post of, of Iowa, just like anybody else. He's reinvented himself offensively. He's reinvented himself. He's letting he, he as the as the game has evolved, he's evolved. As he's gotten older his his mentality has gotten a little bit older has his has his judgment been something some absolutely not but with Iowa we look at Iowa and look at that schedule and I mean I would put them on upset alert against against Minnesota I would put them against upset- on upset alert against illinois. I mean, we haven't even talked about Illinois yet. We haven't even talked about Purdue yet. But those are two schools that could cause trouble. That can cause fits. But I don't think that they're at that level yet. <laughs> so, excuse me, I, I'm getting a little bit of hiccups. But Iowa, for me, they they're the class of they're the class of of the bit of the Big Ten, the Big Ten West, they didn't lose much. They lost three of their, they lost three of their top tacklers last year, but they didn't, but they didn't lose much. Got Desmond King to come back for for a senior season, when I thought that he would probably be be gone after last year, and that stellar campaign he had. You've got. Two yeah two good kickers that are they new kickers. You lose a kicker last year in um in Marshall Kane who who's who's in camp, who's in the NFL camp right now. You lose a guy like like Dylan Kidd who improved over time to be a really good punter in a big ten. You've got some great, great players here. And the fact that you have eight returning starters on your defense, you have nine returning starters on your offense, you lose two offensive linemen. I'm sorry, you lose two offensive linemen. You you have eight coming back on offense, eight coming back on defense. You, You lose two offensive linemen, and you lose a running back. Who does that? <laughs> Is this team as good as advertised? Can this team be better than last year? I don't think they'll be as good as they were last year with Tanzari gone. But I can see them being up there very close. But still a little bit, a little bit far away from what they were last year. Do I think they'll win the West? Of course. How many wins do I think they'll get? I think they get a solid ten. I think they go ten and two. 10 and two. They go into they go into um they go into Indianapolis, Lucas Oldfield, and they face whoever I pick out of the East. You no, know, and we'll get to that in just a few minutes. But again, the way the way I see it in the in the West, start from seven seven being Purdue, six being Illinois. I think Illinois will be will be bowl eligible this year. They have the schedule to to make themselves bowl eligible. You know, they avoid Ohio State this year, but they get Michigan and Michigan State. They have to go to Michigan. They're home to Michigan State. They have all they have all the the, the games that they need at home. The Purdue game, the Minnesota game, Iowa at home, this could be this could this could set them up to be six and six, seven and five. I mean, we can see Illinois doing this. We can see Illinois pulling off some upsets. North Carolina, Western Michigan, those are those are two hiccup games right there. Those are two games that, that could go either way. And as good as North Carolina played in the past couple of years, 11 wins last year, this could this could be a little bit of a hiccup for for Illinois, but they can conceivably win six games. They can conceivably win less. I say six and six, five and seven, maybe seven and five if the ball rolls right, rolls right for them. So I think they'll be bowl eligible. I think they'll be very close to being bowl eligible this year. But there's still there's still a, a year or so maybe away, and I'm hoping that Lunt can get a, get a six year eligibility. Um, as rumored, he may get a six year. He's gonna apply at the end of the year. So there you have it. Purdue seven. You know, don't give up on Daryl Hazel because what you because of the record that you see. The record isn't indicative of what you see out of that team. This is a don't give up team in Purdue. I like Purdue. I like what they're doing. They're, they're in the complete rebuilding phase, and I'm hoping I'm really hoping, and I'm probably hoping against Hope, that you give Dell Hazel the chance to right the ship. Because he came in he came in no with a lot of hype, he came in with a lot of a lot of gusto, but the thing about it is he's he's not he's producing on the field what you wanna see, but it does not translate to wins and losses. I think that's the best way of putting it so in that regards, I see produce seven. Illinois 6, Northwestern 5, Nebraska 4, Minnesota 3, Wisconsin 2, Iowa 1. That That's the way I see it. Um, like I said, there's a lot of leeway within the schedules to help a lot of teams go up, have a lot of teams go down. That being said, we're going to take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're going to come back talk about the talk about the east and I'm going to give you some other rundowns of, of some other things so y'all stay tuned
3: that man about a month ago. He ain't- Was in front of my uncle? Lack of cash made him hunker But got caught up in the jungle Yeah, that's word to Marcel Rise above all themselves I'll be 20 when you get out I plan to have us some meal That was my goal for Dominique But guess it just wasn't time In 15 years they finally came No more waiting in line For them visits, them phone calls I used to play you my beat Sometimes I didn't know what to say Cause you was trapped, I was free Cause I've been worried. It made me colder As I grew older I'm a soldier, I'm a soldier, Columbus Georgia, why did you fall, you? it made me colder, as I grew older, I'm a soldier, Columbus Georgia, yeah, sunshine. little homie got a keyboard and a vision, he making beats and all his other homies feel it, but they don't know that he was growing to a legend, everything that he'd have been through, write it out storytelling, he knows there's more to life than just a project, he understands that failure's not an option. He wanna chase his dream, I go to college. He knows that deeper knowledge, then they taught him, How look? Chase your dream and go get that money, cause you deserve it. We too poor to be lazy, so I'm constantly working. Role models across the street by the daily, they serving. They lead the block and they see cops cause they know that they lurking. Chevy on A-Circle, the hood, that's what we all wanted. He was the plug, he had that chick, the girl we all wanted. He caught the L and shit, died down and was the end. Five years later, a love homie end up being the man. Here it goes again. Every night he asked the Lord forgive him for his sins again. Loading up the Glock cause someone shot one of his friends again. Every day his life was took for free, they your Benjamins. Money making a closer partner Never be your friend again Now that I am older Wish sometimes I was a kid again The yeah, 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 yeah. struggle is a beast I Ain't no weakness in these streets Either you strive or you eat It's Juan Keith's wine glass Columbus, Georgia Rebbing that H, Columbus, y'all Columbus, Georgia what it do for you fall, yeah? It made me colder As I grew older I'm a soldier I'm a soldier Columbus, Georgia what it do for you fall, yeah? It made me colder
1: Welcome back to the press box and the tailgate crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. It's the main event in the building. you not jump back into into talking about the Big Ten. But before we jump back into the Big Ten um, in the in the East race, we're gonna talk about a lot of a lot of the stadium atmospheres and you know the stadium atmospheres for me. That that's probably the the most fun for me. Um, looking at the, looking at the interactive interactive uh behaviors between the cheerleaders the students the fans the fans and the players for me that's the best part of that's the best part of the atmosphere the tailgating everything that's involved in it these are my favorite stadium atmosphere. You know, in no particular order, but okay, they're in a particular order. But I mean, you you can obviously argue about this over and over and over again because it's true. But some of the best stadium atmospheres for me, Ann Arbor, Michigan. You know, Michigan Stadium, the Big House. I mean. It's so loud. It's cavernous there, and Michigan Stadium is made to be loud. It is meant to be loud as loud as the Dickens there. I picked Michigan to be to to be first because I've seen a lot of the tailgating atmospheres around around the SEC since I'm from the SEC. And I compare those to these: Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, Nebraska, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Michigan State. They all epitomize what the stadium atmosphere should be like. Whether from pregame, from from the time you hit campus on Wednesday or Thursday, whenever they're allowed to hit campus, to the leave campus. So on the morning, Sunday afternoon, however, however they they make you leave campus, um, these schools epitomize what what tailgating, what stadium atmosphere should be like, what city atmosphere should feel like. Now the the disadvantages that they have, especially in Columbus, is Columbus is. Is a bustling town of almost a million people, six hundred thousand people. Whereas Michigan is a college town of almost eighty thousand people. Iowa City, you know, again, you no, know, that's a college town. Lincoln, capital city, has over a hundred thousand people there. So it kind of loses its mystique a little bit. Penn State being a college town, Wisconsin Madison being the capital city, and having you know that big city feel as well. And Michigan State being in the middle of East Lansing, it it, it, it kind of loses its mystique a little bit. But in terms of stadium atmospheres itself, you cannot go wrong with Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, Nebraska, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan State. Now, I I would be remiss if I didn't add... Indiana, Northwestern, Minnesota. Because I I mean, even though Illinois in that mix too. The fans are so passionate about their teams. The real disadvantage that Northwestern has over everybody else in regards to having the worst stadium atmosphere is The fact that Northwestern doesn't fill their stadium but with the fans that they get there, it's loud. It's very loud. But since it's in suburban Chicago, again, it's just like Columbus, it's just like Ann Arbor, it's just like Lincoln in that regard, Madison in that regard, is that it loses a little bit of the mystique that that you would normally get on a college campus that's not in a major city. Say, for instance, uh, Auburn, Alabama. You know, even Tuscaloosa. I mean, Tuscaloosa has over 100,000 people there. And it kind of loses its touch a little bit. Athens, Georgia is a little bit the same way. But the difference between... Those cities, Athens, Tuscaloosa, as opposed to big bustling cities like Columbus, Lincoln, Madison, things of that nature, those are all capital cities that are pretty big in size. Whereas, and they're all about their team. Whereas, if you look at Tuscaloosa, you go anywhere in Tuscaloosa, whether it's the Stillman University campus, whether it's, you know or whether it, it's right around University of Alabama campus. It's crimson and White everywhere. You don't get that everywhere like you do everywhere else. I might be wrong in that, but you kinda lose a little bit <clears throat> excuse me, you kinda lose a little bit of the of the of the the mystique of of tailgating of the of the 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 life, you know the pre the game atmosphere and the postgame atmosphere because there's so much to do. So that's that's why I I say, you know, it loses a little bit of mystique, but nonetheless, those are probably the best atmospheres to be in. You know, being on the Big Ten campuses. I mean, if you can't get to a Big Twelve or SEC campus or ACC campus, I mean, that's that's where you need to be at. I mean, especially if I mean if you love the big cities and stuff like that. Like I mean I love the big cities as much as anybody else, but I also love the small college towns. So, I mean, that's just me. But getting let's jump back into jumping back into the uh predictions uh here. And let's jump over to the big to the Big Ten East and, you know We talk about the Big Ten East. We talk about we talk about the teams that are close on the fringe or far, far away. Now in the West, the far, far away schools, the far, far away school for me was Illinois. In the East, the far, the close but far, far away schools are. Maryland and Rutgers. Rutgers in a sense because Rutgers is, is coming into a major conference. Maryland because they were in a major conference that moved to a major that moved to another major conference and they still ain't got it right. <laughs> I mean when you lose your athletic director to another school, especially another school in the division, like you did with Ward Manuel when he left Maryland for Michigan. You know, some things aren't just aren't entirely right. With Maryland, Maryland started going downhill when they got rid of Ralph Frisian. That, that's, that's my personal opinion. I mean, don't hold that against me, but that's exactly true. Rutgers was, was... Rutgers is on a rebuilding path. And they're close, but they're still far away. DJ Durkin's are going to do some good things at Maryland this year. Do I think that they'll be at the point to where they'll be a, a, a bowl team this year? It could be close, but I don't think so. Rutgers... New coach there Are they close to being a bowl team This year I say two years away Whereas Maryland could be one year away Rutgers is two Two years away One maybe two years away I'm leaning toward the two year Two year point though Look at other schools Not only Going up there Schools on the fringe We talked about schools on the fringe you know, we're talking about North being on the fringe in the West. I have none in the East because the teams that are on the, that I thought could be on the fringe can actually be dark horses or be a fringe team. So it's like, you know, we look at Indiana being, being that, being that team. They're, they're on the fringe, but they're also a dark horse as well. I mean, Yes, you yes, you do you're in the same division as as Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. You can't avoid them. But you've got some difficult crossover games as well. You've got Illinois, you've got you got Illinois who could who could conceivably be a be a six one team. I mean, I'm sorry. You have you have Nebraska, who's a, who's a dark horse in the West. You have Purdue out of the West. Um, you have Northwestern out of the West.
2: So
1: so. You know, those are the three teams you have, but you still have difficult trips. You got to go to, you got to go to Ohio State. You've got to go to Michigan. And you're home to Michigan State. Those are those are conceivably losses, but can you take care of what you need to take care of in non-conference where you have FIU, you have Ball State, and you have Wake Forest. Wake Forest is not an easy out. No matter how many games they win or lose in the season, they're never an easy out. But in consecutive weeks, you have Michigan State, Ohio State, Nebraska, Northwestern, Maryland. All those are in the month of October. You have five games in the month of October. If you can conceivably go two and three in the month of October, that sets you up perfectly at six and three. That get that I mean that gets you at five and three and all you have to do is win one of the next four games to be bowl eligible. Is that conceivable is that conceivable for, for Indian? Can they get the ball to roll to where they can get? seven, eight games? It's possible, but highly unlikely. Will Indiana win six games this year? They should win six games. Can they win seven games? They could win seven games. They could be seven and five and set themselves up for a good bowl, for, for a good bowl game and ready themselves for 2017. Where they could be able to because of the influx of talent that they have there. This, this, like I said, this is this is one of those if or maybe with Indiana. I have Indiana number five, fifth in the conference. I think they can win six games. I think they can win seven games. I, I really do. I think they'll be six and six, seven and five. I, they've got that kind of team to do that. We um, go to Penn State. We look at Penn State and we look at what they have on the docket. They have six straight home games. They have six straight games, and then and then and then the uh, off week. Going into pretty much a gauntlet of of games there, your first six games you have a Kent State team, and then you have your two in-state rivals, Pittsburgh and Temple, which are uh, Pittsburgh should be should have James Conner back. They'll be breaking a new quarterback. Temple Temple won't be the Temple team that you saw last year, but they will be as good if not be- they will be as good I don't think that they'll be they'll surprise anybody like they did last year but Temple's going to be really good do I think that Temple upsets Penn State for the second year in a row you'll have to check me out on September 17th to find that out but <laughs> but I will say this the running of games for Penn State is very difficult. Can they win seven to eight games? Of course. They can win seven to eight games, but will they win seven to eight games is, is a better question. James Franklin has come in. He's He brought back that culture, the, the Joe Paterno type culture, and I know that people hate when I say Joe Paterno, but when you've been exonerated and then you have a guy who Who says he knew? And he's anonymous, but he won't—he won't show his face until you show your face, until you get on camera and you tell your story. I don't believe anything you say. You know, he's already been cleared. A lot of people are talking about let's not do this with Joe Paul. Let's not do this with Joe Paul. You know, those are the guys who just troll and just want something to say. Okay, myself. I'm personally tired of hearing about Joe Paul. I'm personally tired of hearing about about Sandusky. I'm personally tired of hearing about the whole case. You know, the free report was a failure. To me, it was a failure. I'm just not really ready to even dwell any further in that, into that. That's all I'm going to say about that. Anyway, going back, Penn State for me, The running of games is, is is pretty pretty good. They could if they can split the last six games at least four and two in their last six. You know, getting a win over Purdue, getting wins over getting wins over Purdue, Indiana, Rutgers, and and possibly Michigan State, or you go you split three and three there, and you pick off a couple wins. You know, in the early part of your schedule, I mean, you're looking at an eight and four team. You're looking at you're looking at an eight and four Penn State team that could play on New Year's Day. Do I think that that's conceivable? I really do think that's very conceivable. Now, if they can get some, if they can get the ball, like I said, the ball rolls the right way for Penn State or for any any of these teams to say, especially. For a school like, uh, especially a school like Penn State in the East, who avoid everyone out of the West except for Iowa, except for Iowa and um, yeah, well Iowa and Minnesota. I mean, you 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 got you got some some. You got a little bit of leeway to to play with. You got some you got some play in your schedule. You got some wins that that are very conceivable. You got some wins that that you can that you can take care of. You take care of what you can take care of. In the games that you should take care of. Those games that you, that that you'll be underdogs in that you can possibly just spring an upset on. Those will come to you. It's not. It's not conceivable for Penn State to go nine and three, ten and two. It's not conce. It's not. It's not in a far realm, per se, of that that not happening or that could happen, because it could. Now, we go and when look, you know, we look at a Michigan State team. No more Connor Cook, you know. They've got they've got two running backs that that, that can conceivably go over a thousand yards this year. Oh. <coughs> they can conceivably go over a thousand yards this year. I mean, OJ Scott's back, Joe Holmes back, Madre London's back, Damian Terry is back as well. I mean, you got five guys. That can that, I mean, you got five guys? I mean, you got some guys, you know. O.J. Scott, Gerald Holmes, you know, Madre London, you know, who can who can give you some things out of the backfield? You know, conceivably you can you can run sets for them specifically for them if you like to. This is a good Michigan State team. Um, you know, Connor Cook is gone. Tyler O'Connor is coming in senior year, and then they got some really good players, really good quarterbacks that can conceivably step in and play at any time. They got a red freshman that got a redshirt freshman quarterback in Milwaukee who is who was lights out in high school, um, was pretty good in the spring game. Um, Throwing a couple of touchdown passes. This is this is a kind of Michigan State team that you kind of get afraid of at times because of what they can do and what they conceivably can do. This is this is why I have Michigan State at three at the three position in, in, in you know to finish third. I don't think that they will conceivably beat the top two, Michigan or Ohio State. I don't think that they could. Do I think that this is a solid Michigan State team? Of course. Do I think that this is a 10-win Michigan State team? Let's look at the schedule. You're at home to Furman on a Friday night. You have an off week, and then you're at Notre Dame you have the crossover game with Wisconsin, your divisional matchup with Indiana. You have BYU at home, Northwestern at home, at Maryland, home to Michigan, at Illinois, which is your other crossover game. Home to Rutgers, home to Ohio State, and then you're at Penn State to finish the year. I'm looking at this schedule, and I see eight wins, definitely. I can see nine wins. I can see 10 wins. They take care of business against Notre Dame and BYU. This is going to be a 10-win team. They take care of business against Notre Dame and BYU, a non room team, no matter what. You've got that leeway. You've got rivalry games against Michigan and Penn State on the back end of your schedule. You have Ohio State on the back end of your schedule as well, the weekend before Thanksgiving, and then you have the Penn State game the weekend after Thanksgiving. This could conceivably be monumental for Michigan State. Can they win 10 games this year? Can they win 10 games this year? Yes, they can win 10 games this year. Can they win nine games this year? Yes, they can win nine games this year. Which one is it going to be? I'm going to go in the middle. I'm going to go nine and a half games. Because in in that showcase week of games, and the showcase week for the Big Ten, for me, you've got, you've really got two weeks that are showcase weeks in the Big Ten. You have the October, you have the September 17th matchup. Then you conceivably have the November 12th matchups where everything has bowl implications all over them where every game has conference championship aspirations in front of them with the big 4 with the with at least the top 3 schools that I think that are that will finish third to first those are those are the big answers that we have can michigan can michigan state leapfrog michigan it's very possible can michigan state I'm sorry. Can Michigan leapfrog? You know, can Michigan be at the top? Can Can Michigan State be at the top? It's very conceivable in the next three weeks. In the, in the next two weeks, the last two weeks of the se- of the season, where Michigan State plays Penn State, where Ohio State plays Michigan, where Michigan State plays Ohio State, where Michigan plays. Plays Penn State, you know, in September. Those four teams, they play round robin. Whoever comes out on top, being two and one or three and zero, those are the team. That's the team that's going to be on top of of the Heat in the East. I just really believe that. Now, this is where it gets tricky. Michigan. Ohio State we, we we have to compare them side by side and look at their schedules. You know, going into going into October, November, which is the nitty gritty of the schedule the nitty gritty. You know, we look at the big matchups for Michigan in the Big Ten. September twenty fourth at September 24th against Penn State October 1 against Wisconsin 29 for the Paul Bunyan Trophy against Michigan State at Michigan State at Iowa and then the big one at Ohio State you look at each one of those games individually and you think even though they're they're, they're not scheduled back to back to back. You have to look at the importance of all three of those games, of all of all four, four, four game of those games. Can Michigan avoid getting upset by Penn State? Can can they beat Wisconsin at home? Can they beat Michigan State at Michigan State? Can they beat Can they go to Iowa and win? Can they play at Ohio State and get a W? That those are all questions, big, big questions that Jim Harbaugh has to ask himself and ask that team. This is a, this is how big that matchup. This is how big those matchups are. Now we look at we look at Ohio State. They have to go to Wisconsin. They're at Penn State. They have Nebraska. They have Michigan State, and they have Michigan. Do I think that Urban Meyer has the post of the Ohio State team? Oh most definitely. Do I think that they can win all those games? Most definitely. Do I think that they're on high upset alert because of this? Yes, definitely. You know, you have a JT Barrett. You don't have you don't have uh Cardell Jones anymore. You don't have you don't have um Oh my God, my name, his name just went blank on me. Um, the other quarterback, um, Braxton Miller. You don't have Braxton Miller anymore. You you don't have anybody to lean on if something was to happen to a guy like J.T. Barrett. Now we can look at we look at what Michigan has. Quarterback wise, Shane Morris, Donald Corn, Wilson Spate, and a quarterback that was in Brandon Peters, who was in for the spring, who's a lefty, a big, a big arm lefty. You got some options there. How good is this team? How good is Michigan? They were good enough to win 10 games with the same recruits that Brady Hoke had. Which, in terms, makes no sense. It really doesn't. But what makes sense to me is can they beat Can they be a a led Ohio State team? You know, we we talk about what they have and what they don't have. Curtis Samuel can give you give you running running plays. You you lose Ezekiel Elliott, you lose Brass Miller, you lose Cardell Jones. You know, you got Curtis Samuel, you got Breontae Dunn. I mean, you've got got guys that can ball. But what you don't have is a guy who's going to give you what you need. Running the ball. Who's going to be that guy to step up? This is why, I mean, even though I think Ohio State's the better team, they lost a lot on the offensive side, on the defensive side of the ball. Now, they lost a pretty good bit on the defensive side of the ball. They lost four starters on the defensive side of the ball. You know, you lose some players on the offensive side of the ball as well. You know, the F.R. mentioned, Deco Elliott, Cardale Jones, and Braxton Miller. You lose those guys. I mean, You also lose a Jalen Marshall as well. I mean, you lose, you lost a lot of, a lot of things. So, why do I have Michigan winning the East? Because Urban Meyer always uses the next man up philosophy. So, who's ever going to step up? They're going to step up in a big way, I believe. This is why I think Ohio State will win 11, 12 games this year. This is why I think Michigan will fall short and win 10, 10 games, 9, 10 games. Michigan has a tougher road to hold in terms of how their schedule plays out when they play certain when they play certain teams, as opposed to Ohio State, who has a lot of the big, a lot of big schools. In between, the only time that you have big matchups back to back is the is the week that you go to that you go to Madison and in the, and the next week when you go to Happy Valley, that's the only time that that Ohio State has to worry about. Now at the end of the season, you have Michigan State and you have Michigan. Will Michigan's, will Ohio State overlook Michigan State like they did last year? Or will they come back with a focus that's unlike any other and completely finish the season the way they should have finished it last year? Just, just some food for thought. Some food for thought here. The reason why I'm picking Ohio State over Michigan is because, like I said, Urban Meyer uses the the next-man-up mentality. He's also got the pulse of his players, whereas Jim Harbaugh, he he has the pulse of his players, but it's only year two, whereas it's year five for Urban. And he knows his guys. He knows what to expect from his guys. So that's where I come. That's where I come in. I think Ohio State wins the East. I think Iowa wins the West. The winner of that game goes to the playoffs. I think, but I think conceivably, do I think conceivably can can the pinch that can. Can the Big Ten get two teams in the playoffs? Not really. But do I think a Big Ten team makes the playoffs? It's very possible. Very, very possible. I like Ohio State to beat Iowa, but I would not be surprised if Iowa upsets Ohio State in in that game. Won't be surprised. And if Iowa wins that game, Iowa goes to the playoffs. If Ohio State wins that game, and we look at what the other Power Five conferences look like, like like the ACC, like the SEC, like the like the Pac-12 and the in the Big Ten, that's gonna be the end all to say all. That that's going to be a good 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 thought process for everybody involved. And those are my thoughts. That's who that's who that's who I think will win the win the east. That's who I think who win the west. Um showcase week for the big ten. November twelfth. Showcase games on those on those weeks. You have Ohio State, Nebraska, you have Penn State, Iowa, you have um Wisconsin Northwestern, and then you can even argue that November nineteenth would be a big week. Um you have Ohio State, Michigan State, you have um, you have Wisconsin, Purdue, you have Northwestern Minnesota, which could be which could conceivably be uh be for for the Big Ten West lead if if Illinois falters. I mean so there's so there's so many weeks, there's so much time between now and, and 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 after Thanksgiving for things to shape out. And very excited. Uh, big non-conference games. Um, let's just start. Let's start off early. Wisconsin LSU at Lambeau. September 17th for me is the biggest week of the year in terms of matchups within the Pac-12, Big 12. And um and the SEC, SEC has some has some in conference games that week. Uh, the Big Ten it shapes out like this: Oklahoma, 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 Ohio State uh, at Oklahoma. Owen Field's gonna be rocking over hundred thousand in that stadium for that game. That's gonna be a big game. And hopefully that game is an 8 o'clock game because any time uh, earlier than that won't do this game any justice. It just won't. This game needs to be under the lights. Michigan State, Notre Dame needs to be under the lights. Nebraska, Washington, Nebraska, Oregon needs to be a three thirty game. I mean, conceivably, these are all, these are all ESPN games uh ABC or ESPN games. Um it's possible that if I'm not mistaken, I think Ohio State, Oklahoma is is the ABC game. Um uh, State Notre Dame actually Mission State Notre Dame is the ABC game. O- Ohio State, Oklahoma is the E S P N game and Nebraska, Oregon is a ten thirty game, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's conceivably at ten thirty. I think that's a ten thirty game. So um, if I'm not mistaken, I no actually actually that probably will be a, will be an eight o'clock kickoff. Could be a seven o'clock kickoff, you know, depending. I, I just I just really really think that September 17th is going to be a big matchup, big big games for everyone. So I'm looking forward to just to sitting down and watching those games um, here um, as well. Just really excited to talk about football again. Really excited to to get a lot of things off my chest. And again, um one of the things that, that we talk that we talk about all day long is football. One of the things that we haven't talked about is UFC. Check out the UFC tonight. Two oh one, Atlanta, Georgia, Phillips Arena. Tyrone Woodley, uh Robbie Lawler, World Award Championship on the line. I'll be sure to be watching that fight probably gonna be one of the fights of the year. Um last night Donna Stevenson made himself one step closer to fighting Andre Ward or Sergey Kovalev with a with a fourth round knockout of his opponent last night, um, which is pretty much a whitewash. Um WBC has said that he's gonna to have to fight a, a mandatory challenger before he fights Kovalev or or Ward. Uh, Ward could conceivably be that guy Um, The guy that that could have gotten that spot did not impress me at all. I don't think he impressed WBC at all. So it's very possible that you could see um, Andre Ward, Adonis Stevenson in the near future. Because, quite frankly, Adonis Stevenson's Viacom, the the contract he had with Showtime Viacom is up. That was his last fight on the contract. Now he's got some fight options afterward. Will we see Will we see him re-sign with HBO pretty soon? So that way we can get the fights that we want to see in the light heavyweight division It's very possible. Um, but stay tuned, stay tuned with us. I want to give a special shout out to my man T-Rex. I want to give a special shout out to uh, to Monica Brewer tomorrow night. Um, the Tri City Entertainment Awards tomorrow night. Very excited to be there. I'll be there. I'll be presenting um, producer of the year. Kid Retro, check him out, Mr. Kid Retro. That's K Kid Retro. Check out my man T Rex at Live by Terrence. Check me out, J7 J Houston17 and uh Tellgate Coron Twitter pages. Thank you for being a part of the show. Y'all have a great weekend and good luck to everybody. Um this weekend be very very careful uh, and no matter what you do man don't take life for granted and tell somebody that you love them. y'all have a good weekend let's go tell, yeah
0: man Hey, yo, T, I think, uh, I think we can keep this one slow. Make it easy to ride to. Yeah. You know, sometimes I look around and I think, like, maybe I am out here on my own. Gotta find something. Oh, I can't? But I can try, right? (laughs) Yeah. But
2: well, what then? I'll be over. You know that
0: ain't so bad.
2: On yeah,
0: I saw the girl I love for you stand on your own. But you ain't gotta deal with these cameras alone. From the beginning, see I learned how to manage my own. Became the boy and then I turned to a man on my own. The long wolf for the pack, moving through hella crap Down to earth, so it's only natural I hold you down. Now you the one I picture when I roam around And the summer I'm falling for you is going down Yeah, staying stuck in this season of mine And I've been shining to the point that my reason is blind Think I'm the one, that that's just something I'm reaching to find Out of control, but yo, that shit that I've still been denying Yeah, the light's down, but we staying up And looking back where I started, my only way is up Waited a the world, but I lifted before the weight is up And still myself the one and only that I came to trust Now that's some crazy luck Yeah. Let it rock. But you want some soul shit. Yeah. And she just keeps saying. You can't
2: rescue me. Oh, no. You can't save me,
0: no. You know what? Maybe you're right. Friday shut yeah. whipping through the horizon. My time it is something better than it's ever been. They call me Wolfie from how I'm plying on hella biz. If I's alive and I'm here to show you the evidence. Back to the wall where I started back in the day. I was pushing maximum effort and pulling minimum weight. Wanna show the all those around me that I can stand on my own. Now I swear I'm afraid of nothing. I'm screaming that through the phone. While well, I'm busy pulling my fame up an animal how I ran up the standards of how we live it, it's funny. They pull the camera. The picture how I'ma get it. When years I've been in my zone, and you just